Amen. Uh, we're in part four this morning. This is our, the last installment of our Christmas series. We're calling it Experience Christmas. Experience Christmas. So I want to begin today by asking you uh, a question. You don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to volunteer the answer. But here's the question. How many of you have ever wanted to be in a relationship with someone who didn't want to be in a relationship with you? I can feel the response. You don't have to raise your hand. But all of us know what it feels like to have desired to be in a relationship with someone who did not share our desire. I'll give you an example from, from my youth. When I was about eight or nine years old, I had a crush on a girl in my church. Her name was Nikki Mokas. I don't know if she's watching today. I hope not. Uh, but uh, Nikki, Nikki Mokas was a couple years older than me. She was maybe 11 or 12. I was eight or nine. But I had one of those mad crushes. I just, like, I just, I, I was in love with Nikki Mokas. And so I remember I finally got up the courage. I got a little piece of paper. I got a red felt tip pen. And I wrote a note to Nikki Mokas. And the note was this. Dear Nikki, will you go out with me? Yes or no? Check the box. And I folded up that note and I got ready for church. I had my mom brush my hair out. I got my crushed velvet sport jacket on. I got my red knit tie, my gold tie clip. And I was ready to present my note to Nikki Mocha. So I got to church and there, there she is with her feathered hair. <laughs> And I, and, I hand, and I hand her the note. And I say, I just hand her the note, right? She takes the note. I go sit down. She goes and, you know, wherever she goes at church. And, like, I can't think about what's going on at church. My mind is just buzzing the whole time. Like, what's she going to say? Yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. What's going to happen? So I can't concentrate. I can't focus. At the end of service, Nikki comes over. She hands me the note. And we just, and, and she smiled. That's what I remember. She smiled. I thought, oh, that's, that's good news. That's good news for me. <laughs> she hands me the note. I take the note. We just lived right across the field from the church. So I ran across the field as fast as I could. I ran up to my room. I tore open the note. She hadn't marked either box. She wrote below the boxes, Dear Brent, I'm going out with Todd Stevens. But when I break up with him, I'll go out with you. Now, that was good enough for me. As far as I was concerned, we had a contractual covenantal relationship Pending a couple issues that needed to be resolved. I folded that note up, put it in my sock drawer, and I was ready. Every Sunday I would go to church and I'd be like, where's Todd? Where's Nikki? And are they close? And are they talking? About three weeks in, y'all. No kidding. About three weeks in. I get to church. I see Nikki. I don't see Todd. And one of my friends comes up and he goes, hey, Nikki and Todd broke up. And I'm like, hey. And then he goes, but she's going out with a guy from school. And I was like, but we had an agreement here, right? I had that feeling of I wanted to be in a relationship with somebody who didn't want to be in a relationship with me. We've all had that experience at some point in our life. Some of you, it's just friends. Like you're young, maybe you're, we got a bunch of kids in here today. Maybe there's somebody at school that you want to be a friend with and you want to invite them over to your party, but they didn't invite you to their party. And you want to be in a relationship with them, but they're not really reciprocating. They're not returning that same interest in you that you have for them. Maybe some of you have that uh, a romantic desire. Like maybe you're a teenager or a college student and you're starting to want to be with somebody, but they're not reciprocating. And you, you have a desire for them, but they're not desirous of you. 
maybe in some cases, you're married and the, and the level of intimacy that you desire from your spouse is not reciprocated in a way that, that feels reciprocal to you. Maybe, maybe they're there physically, but just not emotionally. They're, they're withdrawn and, and you want something from someone that they're not giving back to you. Some of you have kids and as those kids get older, which they just inevitably do, you want, you want a relationship with them, but maybe they're heading out of the house and they're going to college and they're leaving. And you want a relationship with them and the, and, the, and the reciprocity is not there. The same level of intimacy is not returning to you. We all know what this feels like. like can I just tell you this? The God of the universe for thousands of years has desired intimacy with his creatures. The God of the universe has desired a relationship with humanity that has not been reciprocated. We see it throughout the Bible. The greatest desire of God. If you want to know what God wants more than anything else. The greatest desire of God is a relationship with you. A true, deep, intimate, loving relationship with you. That's what God wants more than anything else. We see it all through the Bible. We see in the very first book, God is trying to have a relationship with Adam and Eve. He walks with them in the cool of the garden. But they turn away from him and they don't reciprocate his love. And there's this heartbreaking moment in the, gospel, in, the, in, the, in the book of Genesis where God is saying to Adam, remember, if you remember the story, he goes, Adam, where are you? Where are you, Adam? Now, he knows where he is physically, but he's saying, where's your heart? I want to have a relationship. All through the Bible, we see this. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Elijah, Eli. Over and over, we see God trying to reach his people and they don't reciprocate. It comes all the way down to Moses. And God so badly desires a relationship with people that he makes the number one commandment a commandment of intimacy. An intimacy commandment. If you go into the home of any observant Jewish person today, you'll see what's called a mezuzah. A mezuzah is, is, is a little, is a, is a, is a little um, item that is on the, the doorpost. Inside of that mezuzah is a little scripture little tiny scripture that's rolled up. It's, 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 we, have, we actually have one at our house. It's a little scripture, and the scripture is the most important commandment in the entire Bible. Most important commandment. It's called the Shema. In the, in the Shema, the first thing it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. But then in Deuteronomy 6, the one commandment that is written on the Shema is simply this. Ready? Love the Lord your God. With all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. Think about that. The most important commandment of Scripture is a commandment about intimacy with God. Not obey God, not fear God. That's all down the road. The number one command, love God. God so badly wants a relationship with us that he makes it the number one commandment. Now, the problem is it is hard to have a relationship with someone with whom you cannot relate. And the problem for humanity is we've got this God that we have trouble relating to. God is omniscient and we are not. We are limited in our knowledge. He's omnipotent and we're limited in our power. He, he's, he's, he's infinite and we're finite, right? He's eternal 
and we're not. We're, everything about God is so different from us. It's, there's a chasm. There's, a, there's this huge gap between us and God. And so it becomes very hard for us to relate to God. And God recognizes this. And so he does something on Christmas so that we can relate to him. He becomes one of us. He not only becomes one of us, he becomes one of us in the most intimate way imaginable. Throughout the series, we've been looking at different characters in the Christmas story. I want to take a moment and I want you to look at Mary because God so badly wants intimacy with you that he became one of us in the most intimate way. The story is in Luke 1. It says this. It says the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying. And she tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus. Now let me just pause the story because I want, you to, I, want you, I want this to land for you. God sends his angel, almighty God, sends his angel to this little hamlet in Galilee. Most archaeologists say there, there were probably 300 people in this village, maybe 400 people. It was a teeny tiny village. Doesn't even show up on the radar. Doesn't even show up on the map. For hundreds of years later, there's nothing even written about it. It's a tiny little town. And he comes to a young woman, maybe 14, 15 years old. Humble girl in a humble town. And he says, God wants, to, to, God wants you to bring forth his son. You are highly, highly favored, Mary. Mary said to the angel in verse 34, how will this be since I am a virgin? The authenticity of this statement is so powerful. It's beautiful. There's this little girl, and she just says, I, I don't even understand what you're talking about. How can this happen? Verse 35, and the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. What I want you to notice for just a second, because I'm going to come back to this in a minute. That phrase, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, it's one of the most intimate phrases that can be written in Scripture. I'll come back to it in a minute, but I want you to hold that in your mind. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born to you will be called Holy, the Son of God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. If I could sum up the entire Christmas story, if I could sum up all of the elements of the Christmas story in just one phrase, it would be this. God became one of us through one of us for all of us. God became one of us through one of us for all of us. The whole Christmas story is an invitation to intimacy with God. The entire story. So if we want that, if we want to reciprocate God's love, if we want to say, okay, God, we will step into that relationship with you, how do we do that? Mary says three things to the angel, three things. And these three statements Mary makes to the angel are the three keys to you and me discovering true intimacy with God. 
I'm going to walk you through it very quickly. Notice the first thing that she says. She says this, verse 34. How will this be since I am a virgin? She's not just rejecting the idea out of hand. And she's not just receiving the idea out of hand. She's being real in the situation. The first key to intimacy is, if you're taking notes, write this down, authenticity. Authenticity. You cannot have intimacy without authenticity. You cannot have intimacy with someone with whom you will not be real, with whom you will not expose the reality of who you are. There's no intimacy without authenticity. I'm going to give you an interesting stat that I discovered this week. The number one way that people find other people to have a relationship with is through this social media app right here. I'm just trying to see who get, who's, who's laughing hard enough because you know what this is. This is a social media app. This is a dating app. The number one way that people meet other people in the United States, the number one way is through a dating app. And the number one dating app is this dating app right here, Bumble. So for those of you who are single looking for a date, you're welcome. Merry Christmas. And um, all I can do. Uh, here's another interesting stat. This, 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 is the, this is the one that's exciting. You ready? So, so almost all people, or not almost all, but the, the, the way people mostly meet is online through dating apps. The second stat is this. About 80% of people on dating apps include information in their profile that researchers call deviations from the truth. <laughs> in other words, people are lying on their profile, okay? They're not being authentic. It's pretty interesting. Men lie about their height. Women lie about their weight. It's just the, it's what, it's what people lie. Men give themselves a couple inches. Women shave a couple pounds. And everybody's fast and loose with their profile picture, apparently. Everybody puts the picture from, you know, a few years ago. I still look like that, right? That's what people do. So, so in the desire to be intimate, we start with inauthentic, inauthenticity. But if we actually want to grow in a relationship, at some point, the walls come down. She's going to see how tall you are. At some point, you've got to be authentic with a person if you're going to actually have intimacy with them. You've got to, you've got to, you've got to get real. If you want to have a relationship with God, you've got to get real. Sometimes we come to God like, like we're on a dating site. We come to him and say, look, I'm going I'm to try to put on my most pious, righteous, holy at- attitude and, and personality. God doesn't need to see your profile picture. He knows your heart. He, he knows you inside and out. The problem is when we come to God in an inauthentic way, there's one of two outcomes. Number one, hypocrisy. Number two, neglect. Because either we come and pretend we're something we're not, God sees right through us and we're hypocrites, or we know we can't live up to that thing that we think God needs from us, and so we just neglect them altogether. I'm not good enough, right? God says, no, just be real with me. Mary comes and just is real with God. She just says, I don't even know how this is going to work. She doesn't reject him. She doesn't just receive it. She's real with him and says, how is this going to work? I'm a virgin. I don't even understand how it's going to work. And the angel respects her authenticity. He doesn't condemn her. He, he actually tells her, he says, this is what's going to happen. He says, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. And the, and, the, and the most high will overshadow you. And you will give birth to a son. Here's the second statement she makes. The second statement in verse 38 is, she says this in response to the angel. I am the servant of God. Second key to intimacy is humility. Second key to intimacy with God is humility. You cannot be arrogant and intimate at the same time. You cannot be arrogant and intimate at the same time. In fact, the number one predictor of divorce, you want to know what it is? Contempt. 
When one person looks down upon another, that is the best predictor of divorce because nobody wants to be intimate with somebody who thinks they're better than them. God is saying, if you want to be in relationship with me, there's got to be a humility in your heart. C.S. Lewis, one of my favorite authors, wrote a book called Mere Christianity. And in that book, he talks about the virtue of humility and the vice of pride. Let me just read you his quote. It says this, There is one vice of which no man in the world is free, which everyone in the world hates when they see it in somebody else, and which hardly any people ever imagine that they are guilty of themselves. There is no fault which makes a man more unpopular and no fault which we are more unconscious of in ourselves. And the more we have this fault in ourselves, the more we dislike it in others. The vice I am talking about, he says, is pride. And the virtue opposite to it is humility. The essential vice, the utmost evil, is pride, he says. Unchastity, anger, greed, drunkenness, all of that are mere flea bites in comparison. It was through pride that the devil became the devil. Pride leads to every other vice. It is the complete anti-God state of mind. If in God, he said, you come up against something which is in every respect immeasurably superior to yourself, unless you know God as that, and therefore know yourself as nothing in comparison, you do not know God at all. What he's saying is, if there's no humility, there's no intimacy. You can't even know God unless you understand that God is immeasurably superior to you. As long as you are proud, you cannot know God. A proud man is always looking down on things and people. And of course, as long as you are looking down, you cannot see something that is above you. Intimacy requires humility. Mary's statement is so profound. It's simple, but it's profound. She says, I am the servant of the Lord. I am the servant of the Lord Most High. In other words, she's saying, I know who I am. I'm the servant. I know who he is. He's the Lord. I'm his, which means that's the, the relationship between me and him. I am the servant of the Lord Most High. If we want to have a relationship with God, we've got to be willing to bow our heart, bow our knee, bow our life before him. And then the third statement, she says, is I'm the servant of the Lord. And then she says this, let it be to me according to your word. This is in response to the angel. In other words, what she's saying is like, let's, I'll do it. Let's go. I'll do it. The third key to intimacy that Mary points the way to is the word commitment. If you're, if you're taking notes, just write down the word commitment. Intimacy grows in commitment. This week, actually last week, was the my wife and I's 16-year wedding anniversary. 16 years. I'm, I, I, I don't know if I should say this because it's streaming, but I'm, I'm kind of glad that Nikki didn't check the box, if you know what I mean. So thank you. Thank you. Um, oh, she said I better be. I'm real glad, baby. I'm real glad. You don't know. Um, we... we we, I found a picture this week as we were, as I was, you know, last week during our anniversary. There's a little picture of us when we were a, little, we were a couple years younger back there. Um, now, <laughs> you shouldn't laugh. You don't, y'all don't have to laugh that hard. Shaw, you're not laughing. Are you down there? So, um, now here's the thing. We were younger then, but we weren't as intimate then. The reason we weren't as intimate then is because we didn't have commitment yet. Right? Commitment is the key to intimacy. You can take that picture down or else. (laughs) 
Here's the problem. We don't want to commit to somebody until we know them completely. But here's the problem. You can't know someone completely until you're committed to them. You can get to know their character over time. Mary had gotten to know God's character over time. But by the time she was 14 years old, somewhere between 12 and 16, we don't know. By the time she was a young woman, she said, I am the Lord's servant. Let it be according to your word. I am committed to God. She knew the Shema. Here is the Lord of God. Love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. She knew that. She had learned that growing up. And she understood that to follow God is a total commitment. Heart, soul, mind, body. Mary points the way through authenticity, through humility, through commitment. And as a result of those three statements that she made to the angel Gabriel, the scripture says this in Luke chapter 2. The time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. And she wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. She responded to God's invitation to intimacy. And in response to that invitation to intimacy, God placed Christ within her. She became a carrier, a bearer of Christ. Now, I told you that at the beginning, I was going to come back to that phrase, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, okay? Let me just, I'm going to wrap this up with this. Luke uses a word, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. It's a Greek word. Here's the word. Eperkomahi, eperkomahi. If you, if you want to write, if you want to get geeked out and greeked out, you can write that down. Show off to your friends. Eperkomahi. Epikomahi is one of the most intimate words that you could use. He's saying that the Holy Spirit will not only come to you, but the Holy Spirit, Spirit's in, interaction with you will be so intimate that you will be transformed fundamentally as a result of the interaction between you and the Holy Spirit. In, in Mary's case, she was given a son. She conceived a son. She conceived Christ. She became a, a bearer of Jesus, right? Luke uses that phrase, epikomahi, in the very first chapter of the book of Luke. But Luke also wrote the book of Acts. He wrote Luke and he wrote Acts. And in the first chapter of the book of Luke, he says the Holy Spirit will come upon Mary and, will, and she will conceive a son. In the very first chapter of the book of Acts, he uses the same phrase, but he uses it for you. Here's what he says. Acts 1.8. You will receive, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit, epikomahi, upon you when the holy spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in jerusalem and judea and samaria and to the end of the earth do you understand what he's saying here's what he's saying here's what he's saying what happened to mary can happen to you the holy spirit can also come upon you you then will also be a bearer of christ in jerusalem and judea and to the uttermost parts of the earth you will be someone who is not just a a critic or a consumer of christmas you will be a character in the Christmas story. You will experience Christmas when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Do you know, church, we have an opportunity to experience something that Abraham didn't experience, Isaac, Jacob, Elijah, Elisha. We have an opportunity to respond to God's invitation to intimacy, to be transformed, to say yes to God through authenticity, through humility, through commitment to say, God, yes. And then God says, I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to come upon you. And then you will be proclaimers of Christ in your world. You will get to experience something that no one else got to experience. And we do it the same way that Mary did it. We bow our hearts. We bow our knees before God. 
we accept his invitation to intimacy. My question for you is how will you bow your heart before the Lord in 2023 as this year closes in order to be a bearer of Christ in 2024? My invitation to us as a church, let's bow our hearts before him. Let's be real. Let's be authentic. Let's be humble. Let's be committed. Let's accept God's invitation to intimacy. Let's bow our heads. Father, you're so good to us. And we come to worship you on this day. We adore you. We praise you. We honor you. We love you. We thank you. We thank you that you sent your son, Jesus. And we thank you that we get to celebrate and adore him together. I pray that our hearts, Lord, would bow before you today. That like Mary, we would accept your invitation to intimacy. And we would be bearers of Christ in our world. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.